0: I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals Podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Goals Podcast. This is episode number 64 and I'm your host, Krati Mera, in conversation with guest expert Carl Honoré, the godfather of the slow movement, as described by several publications. And I will have to agree because in the time that I had with him, I got to learn a whole lot about how we can integrate mindfulness into our daily routine, slow down consciously, but without disrupting our progress, how we can help our kids grow up with better values, normalize boredom for their benefit, and encourage them to prioritize their well-being and cultivate a value system that supports healthy living. And and what I love about this episode is that all the advice that Carl shared with us, it's easy to follow, very practical, so there is really no excuse not to implement it. Uh, I especially appreciated the narrative that Carl creates around the benefits of slow living. So that instead of looking at it as something that can potentially derail our professional social growth plans, is how a lot of people perceive it, you can appreciate that slowing down actually offers benefits that positively impact really every area of your life and in ways that you may not have considered yet. This episode really clarifies why it's important to slow down, be more mindful, be more conscious of the life you are living and the choices you are making on a daily basis, and how we can do all that without compromising on our ambitions. Now, if you're not familiar with our guest, Carl Honoré is a best-selling author, broadcaster, and two-time TED speaker. He is also the voice of the slow movement, and he has published four books on the subject. His latest book, Boulder, How to Age Better and Feel Better About Aging, is a spirited manifesto against ageism. Published in 35 languages, Carl has landed on bestseller lists in many countries. In praise of Slowness, Carl's first book was a BBC radio for Book of the Week and the inaugural choice for the Huffington Post Book Club. It was also featured in a British TV sitcom, Argentina's version of Big Brother, and a TV commercial for the Motorola tablet. Carl's second book, Under Pressure, was shortlisted for the Writer's Trust Award, the top prize for non-fiction in Canada. To bolder, Carl's latest book, was also a BBC Radio 4 Book of the Week as well as a Reader's Digest UK Book of the Month. Carl has been featured in a series for BBC Radio 4 called The Slow Coach in which he helped frazzled, overscheduled people slow down. He also presented a television show called Frantic Family Rescue on Australia's ABC1. I'm really excited to share this conversation, so let's dive in. Thank you so much, Carl, for making time for this conversation. I'm truly very excited that you're here. I'm pleased to be here. Can we begin this episode with learning a little bit about why you chose to focus on the slow movement?
1: Well, I've discovered now that I've written a few books that each of my books starts with a moment of personal existential crisis. And that's what happened when I stumbled into the whole thing of slow. I I just was, in my own life, I got way too fast. Every moment of my day was a race against the clock. And when I started reading bedtime stories to my son, I couldn't slow down there either. So I'd be speed reading Snow White. You know, my version of Snow White had three dwarves. It was so fast. It was just ridiculous, <laughs> right? And when I, right. when I heard about a book called The One Minute Bedtime Story and caught myself thinking, I need that book now, Amazon, drone delivery. That's when I just thought, whoa, yeah. light bulb over the head. I'm, I'm racing through my life here instead of living it. And, and it, was a, it was the wake up call I needed to, to slow down.
0: Yeah. In fact, right now, with everything that's going on in the world with the pandemic and the Ukraine-Russia war, just today I told my mom that, you know, the second this war is over, the second things start to like calm down just a little bit, we're going to plan like a big trip and we're going to keep planning trips and we're going to keep doing things that are just about us hanging out as a family and creating happier moments because life is just so unpredictable. And if all you're doing is chasing after XY goal and hitting XY milestone, you're going to regret it someday. I can't help but think that.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite a common price that people pay when they get stuck in fast forward is that they end up putting all of their energy into things that are urgent rather than things that are important. And we tell ourselves, often without even saying it out loud, we think, well, I'll do all of this stuff right now, and then later I'll do the important stuff, right? Yeah. But later, yeah. later it never comes, does it? It just never yeah. does. You, you end up in roadrunner mode, chasing through a to-do list that's meaningless, toxic, yeah. so dull. True. And, and, and it, the only way to work out what's actually important to you is to slow down and think about it and take time to let your mind wander and ask yourself big questions like, who am I? what's my purpose here you know what kind of life do i want to live all those questions that just get pushed to the the margins when you are in roadrunner mode when all you can think about is your to-do list and multitasking and more and more faster and faster you you end up skimming over the surface of life rather than getting down to the core to the to the heart of the yeah. matter
0: you're actually so right that our idea and understanding of what's actually important what deserves to be a priority is very skewed it's it doesn't come from a good place. It I think comes from a place of insecurity and wanting to keep up with people who don't even matter in our life. Exactly. So can we for the benefit of the audience talk about how like you already you've already started that conversation? Like the when we are going at this space, we miss out on what's actually important. We don't have any idea where we are going, why we're even doing what we're doing and who we are at the end of the day. So can we talk about like the downsides of maintaining this space and how deliberate living can actually alter our entire existence. It's mm-hmm. a big question. Well, <laughs> I
1: mean, you, you you just name checked a few of the downsides right there. Uh, yeah. You know, we don't have we don't have time to to reflect, to ask important, deep questions. We when we get stuck in fast forward, we don't have bandwidth or energy to listen to other people. We all I mean, social relationships suffer when we get too fast. Uh, our health. It's harmed because we don't sleep enough. We don't rest and recharge. We're constantly going. We're pumped up with adrenaline, anxiety, stress, distraction. These things wear us out. They wear our bodies out. They wear our minds out. You could even argue they wear our spirits out. So yeah. we pay we pay a heavy price on that front as well. Uh, you know, at work we become less productive, we make more mistakes, we're less creative. So there's a there's an economic case for slowing down as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think also we become This is a bigger meta point that slow, fast is selfish. You get stuck, obsessed with your own to-do list, your own things that you're trying to do, not even asking yourself why. Slow reconnects you with other people. I think that fast dehumanizes us, slow rehumanizes us. It reconnects us with other people, makes us realize that life is not just my to-do list, right? It's so much bigger than that. There's a great quote, an African proverb, which is, if you want to go fast, go alone if you want to go far go together and i think that's a reminder of how one of the main benefits of slow is taking us out of ourselves in some way our own selfish obsessions and focusing on the bigger picture connecting us to other people building a a better world for everyone not just ourselves because i think there's there's often a danger here when people start talking about that whole kind of self-improvement and being your best self and living your best life That can, if you don't take it farther, I think it's the first step, is to put your own house in order metaphysically and slow yourself down. But if you stop there, that's not enough, right? You've got to use that wisdom that you gain by slowing down in yourself to open up and help other people slow down and create a better world around you. Otherwise, it's just just pointless then, isn't it? It's just, you just become a better version of your roadrunner self, right?
0: Right. That makes so much sense. But if we are like, if just for a second, we address the people, because when we talk about X, Y person maintaining the space, you know, constantly hustling and grinding, we get an idea of who these people are and what, where their priorities lie. So we clearly understand what's actually important to them. It's hitting those goals and what those goals represent. So addressing those people can you perhaps like incentivize them to slow down? Because they are, I think, the ones who need this help the most. And if they can manage it, I think it would sort of, there would be a ripple effect and a lot would mm-hmm. change. Because ambitious people have, you know, a lot of impact on others.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's never easy to say to someone who's stuck in that way of living, change, right? <laughs> it just isn't, yeah. that's not the way it works, right? No. You know, the, those changes have to start with the person. And usually mm-hmm. they start, with some kind of crisis, something is going wrong and the person realizes, well, hang on, this way yes. of living is not working. And so I guess what I would say to that audience is, just take a push pause for a moment and take, take a bit of time to look hard at the life you're living and how you're living it and ask yourself a few questions. You know, am I well, right? You know, am I, am I well in my body, right? That's the body is often the first thing that sends a signal that you're living too fast, right? So if you've got health problems, that's a, that's a warning sign. What about your relationships? Do you feel close to people or do you feel kind of cut off and alone and isolated? If it's the latter, that may be another sign that you're living too fast. Memory is another good one. Uh, there's an intimate bond as Milan Kundera talked about between me- remembering and slowness. Because when you move through life in turbo, nothing sticks, everything's a blur. You don't remember things. You get to the end of the week, you look back and think, God, what did I have for dinner two nights ago? Or I watched a Netflix series. I don't remember how it ended, right? Because you weren't present in the moment. So that's another thing. If you feel like your memory is deserting you, it's not early onset dementia, I guarantee it. It's you're living too fast, right? There are three things to look out for right there. Or or another one I mentioned it earlier. If you're making silly mistakes at work, right? That's another very good example, right? Of that you're just, things are moving too fast. You're pushing up against the limits of what your body and mind can take in terms of speed. So if, it's, if you have any of those warning signals, then it's time to put on the brakes, right? To think about how you will slow down for you, right? Because everybody's got their own way of slowing down. I can't, yes, there's no universal formula. Um, but once you, once you have the realization, the awareness, it becomes a whole lot easier to find your own recipe.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Because I think all of what you've mentioned is so immensely helpful. I remember being in that vortex once upon a time, like I remember, but I, I had depression at the time and I was just constantly seeking distractions to get away from my pain. Mm. So what you're yeah. saying is makes just so much sense. I really hope people make note of it.
1: Well, it's, it's so true what you say there that, um, for many people, speed, busyness, distraction, stimulation, multitasking, these just are instruments of denial. They are a way of running away from deeper problems in your life, right? It's much easier yeah. to multitask five not, or things or, you know, sweat the small stuff like, where are my keys? I'm late for my next meeting. It's much easier to do that than it is to stop and say, Am I okay? Right? Is my family yeah. okay? Yeah. Right? Is my community okay? Am I, is this the right life for me? That's a, those are harder questions to confront. They're, vital questions to confront because if you don't confront yes. them, you won't live the right life for you. But at the start, they can be scary for people. It's, it's easier to put your head down and just go faster and faster until eventually something breaks down. That's why therapists often say that the final stage before burnout is one last burst of acceleration. You're desperately right. trying to run away from all those problems and then bang, crash into the wall, you have a burnout. Usually, Generally speaking, people don't have two burnouts. Yeah, Once you're forced by burnout to slow down, you go back to your life before. You may go back to the same career, but you're gonna go back with a different spirit. You'll usually go back with a slow spirit. You know? You'll go back realizing that doing everything faster constantly makes no sense.
0: Yeah, but I have to ask here, like this is, I think, a deeper question. Like you said, there are no, nobody has two burnouts. It's usually one burnout is enough for most people to understand the shit that they've been pulling and how it's really not working for them. But I I know that there is something deeper going on when you do maintain that kind of lifestyle that's so toxic to you. I think there is a lot of negativity going on inside you, perhaps a lot of self-loathing. Like when I do things that are unhealthy for me and I feel a hit, as in I'm not able to sleep or I get up in pain, I ask myself, is this all your worth? For me, it's really about treating myself well from a sense of, because of a sense of worthiness, I deserve better. That drives a lot of my actions. So I think when people do try to slow down, when they take your advice and they try to implement things, I think they're going to hit this barrier of resistance where they're going to feel Mm -hmm. very scared that if we do this, we're gonna get left behind. So I think that is a crucial moment. What do we say to people when they are facing that challenge?
1: Well, I think one problem is nowadays is that everybody is so impatient they even want to slow down fast, right? right? So they want to have, they want to hear the advice or read the book or see the TED talk, and tomorrow morning they want to have the inner calm of the Dalai Lama, yeah, yeah, which just isn't going to happen. And, and so people will often, I, I've lost count of the number of times people have said to me, oh, I, you know, I, you're, I, you're, I saw your work, I totally wanted to slow down, so I signed up for yoga, then I ran across the street to do some meditation, then I rushed home to cook a, you know, you think that's not the way it slowing down is a process. It has to be slow and it will be messy. You know, you're going to hit resistance because we are actually addicted to speed now. I mean, there's, we're, and and we're addicted metaphysically, emotionally, we are addicted physically. I mean, there's a lot of studies that show that you take away someone's cell phone and they have elevated heart, you know, all the same symptoms that a drug addict has if you take away his or her fix. So, you don't fix that overnight, right? There are going to be withdrawal symptoms. You're going to have resistance. You're going to feel uneasy, panic, restlessness, and you'd have to be open and understand that's coming and ride through it. So what I always say to people is, it's not all or nothing. Slowing down, you're not throwing your whole life out the window, and that's it. You know, it's small steps. So run little pilot projects or experiments. You know, next week, for every day next week you're going to turn off your phone for one hour a day, you know, something small like that. And then at the end of the week, see how it felt. You know, right. did it give you one hour of calm? Did you feel more focused on your work? Are you able to pay more attention to your partner or your children? Could you add more time or less time or do a different time, you know, play around with it, come up with your own formula, but don't fall into the classic trap of trying to slow down fast because <laughs> it's not gonna end well, right? Yeah. And be and, and be, be, kind to your, be kind to yourself as well, right? Because you know, nobody is perfect. I sometimes go too fast, right? You you don't beat yourself up and throw in the towel and give up on slowing down because one day you just fell back into roadrunner style, right? It's going to happen. You're in a world where everybody is rushing. The the message is bombarding us from every angle in the culture. Or go faster, be faster, do more. It's the pressure is there not to slow down. So it's going to be it's going to it's going to take time and it's going to be hard, but it gets easier with every step and you know, start small, start with something, you know, you're going to get a good payoff from. Like right. I, I talked about, you know, one hour a week, one hour a day, turning your phone up, maybe do something like every day next week, you make sure you have at least one meal sitting down at a table with another person and, and a conversation, you know, and just stuff that's so simple. These are simple human pleasures. You're going to, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to feel the benefits right away. And that makes it easier to get over the resistance and the fear and the inertia.
0: Right was it like that when you uh, made that switch because you were already a parent oh, yeah, yeah you also had your career yeah
1: oh, i had I was so fast I was a foreign correspondent it was just everything was fast in my life and it was you know slowing down for me took 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 time i, I it took me a long time to get everything in my life on the right keel right yeah. on on balance yeah. i And I I did a lot of experiments, I tried things out, some things worked, some things didn't, some things needed to be modified, you know? And I just feel it's so important to underscore to people, slow down slowly, right? Right. Let's put it that way, you know, be patient. It it will work because everyone who slows down, no one goes back, right? They don't slow down when they get it right and think, oh, this this sucks, I'm going back to being fast all the time. No one does that, it just doesn't happen. So you will get there, you will get there. It's just going to take imagination, some discipline and and patience. Yeah.
0: And is it okay, like if you are making progress, but then you have days and weeks where you fall back into old patterns and then course correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope you wouldn't have weeks right. falling into old patterns, right. but, but if you have a, a bad day or two, yeah, don't, don't really, don't beat yourself up. Be kind to yourself. Say I had a bad, it's like going on a diet, right? You know, you, you have a, Big slice of chocolate cake on a day you probably shouldn't have. That doesn't mean you throw the diet out the window, right? You know, or you, know, you just think, okay, I had a, ate a bit more than I wanted to yesterday. I'll, I'll course correct tomorrow. You know, and, and and so I think you need to be flexible, open, pivoting. You know, moving. It's like a dance, yeah. right? Not every step is perfect. You you correct. You you feel the music. You get in the groove and you find the find the tempo, and you will find it because yeah. everybody's got their own tempo giusto, right? Yeah. Their, correct tempo it's in there in yeah. you you will find yeah. it yeah
0: that's helpful you can just i think uh take out that chunk of this podcast and listen to that over and over again you telling them to be more compassionate and flexible <laughs> and forgiving okay.
1: <laughs> i would i would say one other one other little piece of advice is to uh, just tapping into that african proverb i mentioned earlier about how it's powerful to slow down together you know find a slow buddy uh, try, yes. try, find, find a friend who's grappling with the same virus of hurry and and try and cure yourselves together you know yeah. and support each other and 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 laugh at each other's struggles and mistakes with slowing down yeah. and you know and and, and it's so, so helpful that a buddy can keep you accountable you have that that bad day with the big slice of chocolate cake and your, your buddy's there to say, you know, I did the same thing three days ago. It's all right. I, you know, and, yes. and so, so, or get a little group together, right. In your company or your neighborhood or your school or your family or whatever, and just do it together. It's so much easier to slow down in a fast world together than it is alone.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful advice because I think we're always more invested in the success of other people, you know, getting it right for them, even if we are being harder on ourselves. So I think that that could really that could really alter the course that you're following, make things easier. On you. Mm. That's great. Uh, in your content, you mentioned bad slow and good slow. Can we talk about that?
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not an extremist of slowness, right? <laughs> Faster is often better. And and, right. and we all know that. Uh, the whole idea of the slow revolution is about doing things at the right speed. So sometimes fast, sometimes slow, and all the speeds yeah. and tempos in between, right? Yeah. It's quality over quantity. It's being present and in the moment it's doing everything not as fast as possible, but as well as possible, right? Right. So that means that there's, sometimes you just have to be fast, right? I mean, if you're thinking about different kinds of medicine, if someone is in a car accident, you don't call a herbalist, right? You call a paramedic. Uh, If somebody's choking in a restaurant, you don't, start doing Reiki yeah you 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 get do the Heimlich maneuver yeah right? um, bad slow is, is is going is taking way too much time missing a big deadline at work yeah um bad slow is I play a lot of competitive sports bad slow is you know not moving quickly enough and therefore failing to score a goal or letting a teammate right. sc- or someone right. score a goal against you good slow is slowing down to the right speed and having an amazing conversation with a, a friend or noticing a, a beautiful sunset or having that little slow moment that opens up the creative juices and allows you to come through with a breakthrough idea at work. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a constant dance, right? It, it, it's it, slow with a capital S is it's, it's relearning the lost art of shifting gears, right? So sometimes you need to be in high gear. Sometimes you want to be in turbo, Right. Turbo mode, and you want to be in tortoise mode, right? And you're moving back and forth according to the circumstances, the context, and according to you personally, right? Yeah. Because we're all unique. We all have our own internal metronome. So what's fast for you might seem kind of slow to me, or what's perfect for me might seem a bit fast to you or slow, whatever to you. So it's kind of also about understanding that at some level, you've got to look into yourself and work out what feels right in that moment. Yeah. Rather than looking at the clock or or trying to do it at the same speed as the person beside you or the, the person who seems to be very, suc- you know, everybody is different. You've got to find the right tempo for you in that moment or your team in that moment. and so on.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. And can we also say that before this is like a good case for having clarity, self-clarity and clarity around your priorities before you start implementing what you're recommending here?
1: Yeah, exactly. And clarity is only comes from slowing down. That, that's one thing we we lose with speed is the space and the bandwidth for contemplation and uh, reflection and so on. And, and it's only through reflection that you get to clarity. That's I mean, any religion will tell you that. That's what yeah. that's what prayer is about. That's what meditation is about. You know, you need those slow moments in order to get to that pin sharp clarity. And I think a lot of people experienced that through the pandemic, because the pandemic, in a way, and I, I'm not here to say the pandemic was <laughs> the pandemic no, was horrible of course, of course just yeah. a nightmare, but in but it did enforce a global workshop and slowness. It forced yeah, us to slow down absolutely. And a lot of people, I think, found that that had a silver lining. It meant that for the first time ever, they had time. They had time to let their mind wander, to reflect, to contemplate the horizon and the big picture. And they found clarity, which is why so many people are coming out of the pandemic now using that clear filter of clarity, looking back and saying, well, actually the life I was living before the pandemic, I was, I was on autopilot there.
0: That yes. wasn't the right life for me. Yes. So
1: they're coming out and they're changing careers or they're moving from the country to the city or the city, to the country, they're changing, moving from different countries or they're leaving a bad relationship or they're changing their sexual orientation or whatever it is, right? They're doing all of these things that were that would have happened before if they'd had clarity, but because they were living so fast, they were not clear on anything. Yeah. Slowness got them to clarity.
0: That should really, you've made an amazing point here because that should really frighten people who are, you know, on that treadmill because you could be living a life that is not even your own. And you may go years, decades, not even realizing that, and that would be tragic.
1: That is such a common phenomenon: is people waking up, whether it's in their twenties, thirties, sometimes it's later, forties, fifties, and just thinking, "Whoa, what happened there? How did I get here? And why was I on that track? Right? (laughs) Why didn't I stop sooner and move on to the other track over there?" And the whole point of the whole, you know, the slow revolution is to get to people as young as possible. To, in, 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 to inspire them as soon as they can in their lives to take time to think, to look into themselves, to get to know who they are, to listen to that little voice inside, to understand and feel out their own metronome so that they can choose the right path in life rather than, as you've just said, living someone else's life. Because if you don't find your own life, yeah. you're going to end up living somebody else's. That's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, amazing. Now for the big question because everything I think you have shared so far makes slowing down so amazing. Like you are creating this whole new beautiful world, but the crunch comes when people are asked to put away their digital devices and that's when yeah. things get <laughs> really real for them. <laughs> so can we talk about how people can build better relationships, healthier relationship with their digital devices?
1: Yeah. I think it's absolutely Crucial that we do it, and more and more people are doing it. So, again, I, I always recommend that people take small steps. If you're somebody who's got your phone with you 24 hours a day, you're sleeping with it. For, you know, that's a kind of addiction, right? It's going to take time. Yeah. So, start off with lit experiments. Uh, I mean, one one thing I recommend to people is have a, a gadget box at the front door of the house.
0: Right.
1: So, as soon as anyone comes into the house, they put their phone in it. Don't touch it again. For, and, and you decide how long that will be, right? You know, or you could have you don't have a gadget box, but if you're living in a house with various people, whether it's flatmates or family, you say that you know for these hours during the day, I don't know, two in the two hours in the afternoon, two in the morning, or all of Saturday, every screen is switched off, right? We just know that every screen is switched off, and you don't force people to they don't have to go and have a conversation, right? right. But you just know that you're switched off, and it gives people permission. It means that you can go. You know the other person will be free and stuff. So just and just experiment. Again, play around with these ways of, of switching off. I, I think we talked briefly there about eating dinner and stuff. People should not have their phones ever at the dinner table. right? right. Just nobody, nobody is that important. No social media update yeah. is more important than eating and chatting and connecting with people, breaking bread with other human beings, the people that you love and that matter to you. Just put your phone away. Right? Just right. do not have it at table. I would say that should be an iron rule for everybody to start with. Um, another k- quick couple of hacks: they've shown research has shown that when two people are in a conversation together, uh, could be you know uh, husband wife, two friends, boss employee, p- parent child, whatever. If there is a phone visible, yeah. yeah, just visible. It doesn't have to ring or illuminate or vibrate. Just visible. Those two people keep the conversation to more superficial level. Yeah. So a simple big win hack is the next time you're in any conversation with another person anywhere, in any context, hide your phone. Just put it out of sight, you know, put it under a piece of paper, in a pocket, in a bag, right? right. And that one small change will make a big difference to the tenor, tone, and texture of the conversation you have with that person. Small change can make yeah. a big, big difference. That's that's a useful metaphor for thinking about this slow revolution is that very often it's a small injection of slowness can lead to a really big payoff um, so those are some some ways to think about it
0: yeah no they make a lot of sense and i think your previous advice that you shared of taking it one step at a time i think that would that would be really helpful starting with the gadget box perhaps yeah
1: that would really help and, and there's something yeah. about the physical i mean there's we're we are tactile creatures right we are creatures of the physical world and and so two things come out of that i think the first is Another example of something people can do is if you're watching TV, and I mean it's so common now to watch TV or whatever, Netflix, and people are just scrolling all the time. They're always on their phones. And then they don't remember you can't human beings cannot watch two things at the same time. You're watching one, yep. you toggle back. Mm-hmm. You don't. So simple thing. Just take the phone out of the room. It's such a temptation for the hour you're watching, whatever it is your favorite series, or you know, just just or or doing homework or whatever, or a big project. Remove it from physical space that you're in. That will make a big difference. It takes away the temptation. And then another thing I would suggest is <clears throat> if you're looking for ways to overcome the unease you may feel if you're used to having the phone with you and you can always look at it and suddenly it's not there, is to replace it with some kind of physical slow activity. So it could be, I don't know, anything like knitting or, or one of the things I love doing is big puzzles, like a thousand piece puzzle, which totally absorbs you. It focus, it's like a Zen activity crafts anything that's physical that involves your hands and that there's something so slowing about that right because you you can't speed up well you can speed puzzle but it's ridiculous not it does you're not going to do it it's a it's a slow meditative activity so there's something about the body that can anchor us to slower more human rhythms so try to replace that social media tech time with something from the physical world if you're feeling withdrawal symptoms that can help you get over the hump um, of, of of having not having the phone by your side.
0: Yeah, I think that's great because I think if people take your advice and they end up, you know, replacing their digital time with all of these activities, I think there will also be physiological benefits to it. There will also be meant There will be change in your mental equity as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah. But I think the whole thing is a little more complicated when it comes to young children because when I think our childhoods were very different. We didn't have all of these mm-hmm. tablets and these little ipods iPhones and all that in fact i remember i didn't have a laptop till i was in my um, till i graduated from high school we had that big pc that used to sit in the common room with the big cpu and the big speakers and all that yeah. So, so yeah it limited how much time you could spend on that device but now things are so different it's difficult to talk to children about you know, have doing things differently than how their friends are doing it. And now everyone's that's one of the reasons why kids are always carrying these iPads and all that. So how do we do this thing for our kids? How do we normalize boredom for them? Let's start with that. How do we normalize boredom for them? Because they need constant stimulation.
1: Yeah. Um, well, again, I think it's it's small steps. You, If, if, if you've got a child that, that you've been giving your child a screen for every single hour of the day, you know, you you've. There's a, you're in a deep hole there, right? So you've got to dig yeah. yourself out of it and you've got to dig yourself out of it slowly. So I would say, you know, don't go cold turkey and just take away the screen permanently. I think you start small and start with, you know, this afternoon, we're good. Why don't we all put, and you say yourself, because it's almost certain that your child sees you with your phone too, right? And they're looking at theirs, modeling, you're modeling your behavior, you know, it's, it's affecting them as well. So you say, okay, well, you could have a gadget box for the family time. Look, we're all going to put our phones in this box now. And at the beginning, your child's creativity muscles may be atrophied, right? Because they're used to getting all of that stimulus from the the screen. So you may need to help them at the start. You may need to say, okay, we put our phones away. Let's get some art project out, or let's go out of the garden and kick a football around, or let's, um, you know, go fix a bicycle or go for a rock, whatever, let's do, you may need to sort of step up as a parent and and kind yeah. of help them for those first few moments. But pretty quickly those muscles will come back because children are designed to come up with their own, to play, to play freely. That's what children are, that is the cornerstone of child development is free play. Not the kind of play they get looking at, at an iPad. The kind of play they get when the iPad is not there and they're left to, uh, to their own devices and get a little bored at first and that sparks them to innovate and create and come up with new ways of thinking and being in the world. So I think as parents, you're going to take a bit of a pop- unpopularity hit, perhaps at first. Yeah. You need yeah. to step up and be there side by side to help them get those muscles going again, but pretty quickly they will. And I think another thing to remember as parents is, you touched on it there, it's hard when everybody else is doing something different, is to, is to reach out to other parents. Many of them are thinking the same thing, but they're scared to be the first parent to do it, right? And say, yeah. well, look, why don't we our two, three kids together in this street or this neighborhood and for that afternoon, right? All of us will have no phones and the kids will just be there and we'll let them they'll work it out. They'll work out how to play without a in you know, on their own and stuff. And build up your own network and your own community of kids who aren't on their screens all the time. Um so that's another way to think about it. I think it's also useful to enlist the school. I do a lot of work in schools and I tell you, you know, teachers are desperate for kids not to be looking at. So if you could get you could get a school project going Um, where kids are taught about, you know, uh, digital literacy and what it all means and how it's affecting their parents and them and family life and run a little school experiment. You know, uh, next week, this month, we're all going to count how many hours we spend on screens. The next month as a school, everybody's going to cut down 10%, whatever it is, right? And just, you know, have fun with it and come up with projects that are personal to your family, but also other projects that are more communal and help you build up a tribe, (laughs) you know, to make it easier.
0: Yeah, that would be brilliant if you can do that, because I think it would also sort of ease the already being a parent is such a challenging job. But if you can carry that burden with all of these other parents, I think things would just become a little easier. Plus, there would be that factor of accountability, as you already mentioned. Yeah. But I have to ask: As children start to, you know, they enter their teenage, they start to become competitive about getting into colleges, taking on these fancy projects, and all. I think that's when it starts to happen. That's when we start to change our pace. That's how it happened with us as well. I think when we were in that age, we we caught that bug of competition. We gotta keep up. We gotta be stay on top of everything. So, can you like give me some idea of how the listeners can cultivate? This a whole set of like values that guide their behavior in a way that allows them to keep up and do what they need to do for their for the benefit of their careers, but at the same time prioritize their health and well-being. Because I think that's what it comes down to. Understanding that, that your health and well-being is what is taking a hit while you are off doing all of those things for your career when it comes to teenagers, when it comes to children as they are, you know, reaching that age. They're young adults, so they have their own ideas now.
1: Well, I, I think one way to come at this whole question of speed and busyness is, is that that culture, the fast forward culture, tells us that there is only one form of success, right? Success only looks one way. And when you only have one form of success, everybody is in a race, right? It's a, it becomes an arms race to squeeze into, you know, to get exactly, to be the best of every, at everything, have the best of everything. Uh, there's three careers you can aspire to, there's two universities that are okay. And it just becomes this absurd narrowing down when in fact the the world is this huge, endless, infinite smorgasbord of possibilities. And everybody can and should forge their own path, right? To adulthood. And if you think about, especially if you think about the people you know, I would ask parents often to do this, to look around you, the people that you admire in your social circle, wherever. Yeah. And then ask yourself, what kind of childhood, what kind of path brought them to where they are today? And I bet you will find an incredible range of experience that's brought those people to, to, that's turned them into the kind of people that you admire, right? And yet, I think when we turn, as parents, we look at our own kids, we think, there is one track to success, and I've got to strain every sinew of my body, invest every spare, whatever, dollar, euro, pound, or whatever. Drag my child along this track to get you know to that point, when in fact there are a million tracks, right? And 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 I think I think one way to remind yourself there are so many tracks is just to look at your own circle and just or and ask a few questions, you know. And so many of the people I look around and, and even I notice now because my children are in their in their twenties and I'm 54 now, but I play um, hockey with uh, people who are in their like my teammates are all late twenties, early thirties and stuff, and and and. and it's interesting because I talk to them a lot about the kind of lives they've had and stuff. And so the, the ones who I admire the most, some of them, you know, have had really unconventional ways of getting to where they got. They didn't necessarily get the highest marks in school. They didn't necessarily go to the best universities yeah. or yeah. all that stuff, but they're living incredible lives now. Right. Um,
0: yes. And I,
1: I remember thinking when I started to feel a bit of panic about my own children, that for me, it was, it was reassuring to be around people that were 15 years older than my kids. Who'd had all kinds of experiences and were doing really, really well in their own way. So I think to get out of that echo chamber that we can find ourselves in, in parent as parents, um, where we're the only people we talk to are other parents of kids the same age. We've got we lose track, we lose sense of the bigger picture. Get back in touch with the bigger picture because the bigger picture will make you feel a whole lot more relaxed about your own kids, right? It's gonna be fine, right? They're gonna do great. I mean, the thing is, I, I often put it this way that. Not every child is cut out for elite sports, right? Not every child is cut out to study music at the Juilliard. Not every child is cut out for Ivy League or Oxford and Cambridge, right? Yeah. But every child, you know, and because not every child is is, is is cut out for greatness. That's just the fact. Not every child is cut out for greatness. But every child with the right support can find something that is great for them. And that's, I think, the way yeah. to think about this, right? It's not about finding some single, uniform, monotonous, tyrannical idea of success and then bending your child to get there. It's about slowing down and getting to know your child so you can help them find their version of greatness, right? Which is a very, very different paradigm, different way of thinking about it.
0: That's so cool. You've made some very cool points. I don't have a kid, but I sometimes do workshops with young kids. I'm going to do that. I'm going to like pick up really cool public figures and look at their backstories that would i think that would be brilliant because that nothing could inspire you more than that if you're looking at you know people like maya angelo opera or you know people like uh, there's so many people that we can do that with. so that would be really cool yeah and i think you are, again, another point, I think that success, not everybody's meant for, as you said, elite sports, not everybody's meant to be a CEO and run multi-million dollar companies or do all of that thing. So yeah, encourage your kid to come up with their own idea of a successful life. For some yeah. people, a successful life is just being a really awesome human being. And that's okay. Yeah. That's
1: that's even way better than okay, isn't it? I mean, could, if you think what you want your children, if you actually sit down with parents and I do it all the time, because I work with parents schools and stuff, and you ask them what they want for the children, the first thing they say without even thinking about it is I want my children to be happy, right? They, that's the first right. thing that comes off their lips. And then right after that comes all the other stuff of, oh, I'd really love him to get into Harvard or her to get into Cambridge and then be great, you know, you know, all, that sort of, all those other things kick in. But the first, the instinct that we have as parents is we want our children to be okay, right? To be, yeah. to be good in themselves, to be comfortable in their own skin, to find their place. The trouble is all the noise and the sound and fury from the culture around us, which is so hyper-competitive about everything, especially in some ways parenting and child, childhood and child rearing, is that kind of gets in the way and it distorts the picture. And we lose sight of what we actually want, all of us, which is for our children to find the right life for them. Yeah. Whatever that, right, yeah. Life, that life is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If they implement this one advice of yours i think we would be living in a considerably more beautiful world i think
1: i think i think a lot of children and a lot of adults would be a lot happier <laughs> definitely
0: absolutely a lot, more, yeah. a
1: lot more contented
0: yeah let's raise kids who don't burn out
1: <laughs> that would be awesome yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so can we talk about i know you've already shared a lot of uh practical steps that we can take but to someone who has to juggle all these balls to so someone maybe someone who's a parent has a job takes care of their home like Especially women, women always have to wear a lot of hats. So, to addressing people like that, any practical, perhaps self care rituals that they can do, mindfulness rituals, or just practical steps that they can do that allows them to balance their life, keep up with things, but still integrate that element of slowness in their day.
1: Yeah, I think um, even if you're in a, a time in your life when it, there's a lot of pressure, it's very hard to slow down, you can still find the, the little levers you can pull. And they can be very little it can just be in between activities or moments you know whether it's that moment where you just drop your children off to school and you're then heading off to the office you're heading off shopping you're heading off to do whatever take that little in-between moment that little liminal moment and turn it into a a two-minute pause right just stop for two minutes and let take take a few deep breaths or contemplate a beautiful tree or you know just have a slow moment and just kind of reset and reboot yourself. And it just means that you'll go into the next chapter, which could be busy, could be fast, could be frenetic, with a, a kind of internal calmness or stillness that will steal you and strengthen you to deal with it much more effectively and happily, right? So I think just carving out those little moments, it might be just 30 seconds sometime or a minute or whatever, here and there, just try and drop those little grenades of slowness through your day, right? And um, and And, and they will be very helpful. Another thing is, I think, too, and you mentioned women particularly, is just be again be be more generous to yourself. I mean, there's so much pressure on women to be perfect in everything, right? right. There's this cult of perfection that your you know, your hair has to be perfect, your children have to look perfect, your house has to be perfect. You've got to, you know, it doesn't, right? It really doesn't. No. People are not. People basically don't care what is going on in your life, right? Yeah. They don't care nearly as much as you think they do. Yeah. Um, so you know, if, if it's a question of Letting that laundry sit for another day because it, it you know, versus playing with your child um, or reading them a story or, or, you know, spending that extra 15 minutes with them when they've had an upsetting day at school, put your child first, right? Let the laundry sit for another day or, or you know, the dishes don't necessarily have to be put in the dishwasher instantly or, you know, it, it, everything doesn't have to be perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we could just be. A bit more loose, right? Yeah. About things, and and when you loosen up like that, it just is easier to slow down into those slow moments with, with the people who matter. Because let's face it, nobody lies in a deathbed and looks back and thinks, "I wish I spent more time doing laundry," right? Or <laughs> yeah. getting my hair right, yeah. or fixing my, yeah. you know, the things you're going to remember in your deathbed are the things that we squeezed out of our schedules, things yes. like reading a bedtime story to your child, or having a cuddle, going for a walk, or making cupcakes, or whatever, all that kind of stuff that. It's never going to end up on a on a CV or a resume or a university application form, but it's it's the stuff that is, A, the cornerstone of child development, but B, it's also what gives life and parenting meaning, right? Yeah. It's why It's why we do it. That's yep. why, why we got into it, right, in the yep. first place.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, to, to flip it around so that you're putting the things that are important ahead of the things that seem, that are urgent and therefore seem important when they really aren't.
0: Yeah, the obsessive need for perfection. I think it destroys a lot of things for you. Yeah, so letting go oh, of that yeah. idea. And I have to like, your the first suggestion made me think of something and I want to share it here. Uh, you said that like, we just take 30 seconds to maybe when we are driving back, take 30 seconds to admire a beautiful tree perhaps people take a lot of pictures like everyone takes a lot (laughs) i'm I'm not someone who enjoys being on the camera but even so even i take pictures so i think what we can ask our listeners to do is every time you take a picture follow it up with 30 seconds of just being grateful for whatever it is that you've clicked Mm -hmm. i think that might i don't know that might help
1: that's a nice that's a nice way of thinking about it because pictures I mean, they've done some interesting research that shows that when people take photographs of things, they don't remember them as well, right? Because you're almost outsourcing the experience of the moment to your your camera. You're thinking, okay, well, the camera will capture this. I don't need to be here fully. I can be worrying about my to-do list or thinking about what I'm going to wear tonight and all this, instead of actually absorbing that moment, immersing yourself in it. So I think in some ways, what you've put out there is you get the best of both worlds because you have the picture for later on to come back and remind yourself and relive the moment. But if you tack on, a 30-second pause afterwards or a yeah. minute just to make sure you experience fully what you've just photographed, then you get the best of both worlds, right? You're present in the moment there. You then have it later on to fall back on.
0: Yeah, nice awesome. One. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I wanted to, this one was what I was really eager for. Your schedule, your favorite meditation, mindfulness practice. Um,
1: well, I mean, I do I do breathing exercises in a kind of, meditation from time to time. I I don't, I don't have a fixed time. It's funny. I, I did for a long time. I used to do it every time in the morning when I got up, but I move, I move it around in the day now. It's funny. I It's, I sort of, I can feel my body and my mind saying to me, it's time to sit down and just breathe and do nothing. So I wait for that moment and do it then. So I've got, it's kind of like a movable feast for me, I guess, meditation. Uh, but my other, and I consider this my, another form of meditation for me, which is um, sports or, you know, like, exercise or something like that because i just feel there's something so it just sort of takes me out of the hurly burly of life and it it's very focused and i feel immensely refreshed and recharged after it so so i do some kind of sports of some sort every day and that that is it's like moving meditation for me right
0: yeah so keeping the focus on you know breaking that schedule not you know constantly being a part of that grind and just making Mm. sure that you take
1: out. Oh yeah, and even if it's not meditation, just taking breaks. I mean, the, again, the science is rock solid on this that you can only really focus on deep or any kind of work really meaningfully for a, a short periods of time, and then you've got to get up and even if you just get up and go make a cup of tea or do some jumping jacks or or read a poem or something, you know. Again, you just need that little moment of slowing down, get away from the coal face, then you come back and you're reinvigorated, you're focused, you're Refreshed, you're ready to go again, and, and you'll actually. People think, "Well, that sounds like a waste of time." That break. It's the opposite. It's a it's a wise investment of time because you'll come back from that slow moment. You'll be able to do the fast stuff better. You'll get things done more accurately, make fewer mistakes, have better ideas, and you'll be you'll be quicker, right? So you, that's what I call the delicious paradox of slow. Right, the, by slowing down judiciously at the right moments, yeah. not only do you get better results, you sometimes get them faster.
0: Yeah. And uh already I think this uh podcast episode, as and when it comes out, I think in itself, if you have shared so much here that can help people get started with the process of slowing down. But any other resource you can recommend?
1: Well, I've got I've got two resources. Well, two suggestions. One is I've got a, a link tree, right? A page which has all my stuff on it, which is my name, carlhonore.info, Carl Honore.info, and they're you can find, well, not just my TED Talks, other talks, audio, podcasts. I've got a workbook now, which I published during the pandemic, called 30 Days to Slow. All my books, writings, social media, everything you could ever want to know about slow and me, way more than you want to know probably, is on that one page. So that's right. carlonere.info. So that's my first suggestion for, for getting deeper into slow. And then my second is, is a kind of hack, right? It's basically go out into nature, right? Nature is the ultimate slowing experience. You know, we know that being in green spaces reduces the stress. It just slows us down. We are creatures of the natural world. So, you don't, I mean, great if you can go out into the forest, but most of us can't, right? But we probably got a park nearby or a tree we could sit under or just, you know, go out today at some point, get outside and go into nature for 15 minutes, right? It will make a big difference it will slow you down so let's start using mother nature who is on our doorstep pretty much everywhere yeah more it's free it's ubiquitous and it works so that would be my final parting thought
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense um and uh, like my last question for today uh if you were only allowed to give one piece of advice to the listeners that could help them live a better life what would that one advice be
1: oh just slow down (laughs) (laughs) slow the heck down right
0: yeah That was the amazing Carl Honoré. If you want to know more about our guest or you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode, the links will be in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, you can find it on my website, krathimera.com. If you found today's episode entertaining, inspiring, or educational, I would love it if you would rate and review the show on iTunes and share the episode on Instagram. It will help the show grow and reach a wider audience. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Now I'll be back next week. Till then,
1: please do take care of yourself.